Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is sponsored by SJNL General Contractors. They are licensed in both Alabama and Tennessee, and they provide services such as mass grading, storm drainage, sewer and concrete improvement, asphalt paving, erosion control, demolition, and heavy hauling. If you need any of these services, contact them 931-433-4660, 931-433-4660. Also, they are in need of heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, CDL dump truck drivers, and pipe layers. If you're interested in employment with this family-owned business, you can go to the website www.sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. It was cold. Not cool, not chilly, not nippy, not brisk, not frosty, not, oh, a chill is in the air or anything else like that. It was bone chilling, fog your breath, freeze it in the air and watch it shatter when it hits the ground. Cold. And I was in the woods before daylight preparing to climb a tree. Now, I wasn't going to shinny up a tree, wrap my arms around it like a bear, climb like Mowgli. I wasn't using ropes to do like a single rope or a double rope technique. I was preparing to use a hunter's climbing stand. And the best way I can describe a hunter's climbing stand is to think about taking a square piece of metal, cut out in a square, and put the hollow part over a tube and then torque it in either direction and see how it binds up. Well, that's the way a climbing stand works. It works on a camming action. You connect the stand around the tree, and then when you put weight in the front of the stand, the back of the stand traps the tree with a rope or a cable or a strap of some type. So in order to use these climbing stands, you've got to put the cable, my, my stand is an old man vision, the, the old man tree stand company, is it, it has a cable and the cable is terminated with a bite at the end, uh, you'd call it a loop. And you take that little section of cable and you wrap it around the tree and you slide it down a tube and you get the little opening in the cable to line up with the opening in the metal tube and you put a cotter pin or a carter's pin in it and it traps the cable and then it won't slide out and then you climb up the tree. Climbing stands usually have two parts, the upper and the lower, and they work the same way. Uh, one, the lower is for your feet, the upper is for your hands. Most people climb using a sit-stand method. I just do dips uh, or, or reverse dips and, and, and walk up the tree. So I'm in the woods, and I'm trying to get this cable in this metal tube, and I'm trying to get the end of the cable to line up with a hole in the tube and drop a carter's pin in it. Now, as a rock climber, you should be able to tie any knot that you tie in utter darkness. I've heard by people who are professionals that you should be able to disassemble and reassemble your firearm in the darkness as well. And I guess if you want to be technical, one should be able to put his climbing stand together in utter darkness. But I didn't have those skills. And on this morning, although that's a great theory, I was going to need just a little bit of light. Now, at the time, I carried with me in my backpack a maglite. 
These are the big aluminum lights. Uh, they're aircraft aluminum flashlights. They're either two, four, or six cell lights, and they have an adjustable beam. They're very sturdy, and I used one of those in my backpack in case I was in the dark and, and needed to trail a deer or just needed some, some real good illumination. I also carried in my pocket a version of that light called a mini mag. It's a miniature version of the mag light. It's aircraft aluminum, and it's small enough that, that you light it up with a single or a double AA battery. I have a necklace made for it. It hangs around my, my neck, and it sits in my pocket. Now, I don't like the idea of shining a light in the dark when I'm trying to hunt. I don't like looking like a lighthouse or a beacon. So I typically try to ease in and ease out without using any light at all. And there's another story about that that happened with Daryl Pickle, but we don't have time to tell that today. But I'm trying to fuss with this stand and it's not cooperating and I can't find the proper attachments. And, and I just grabbed the mag light out. I twisted it on and stuck it in my mouth. Did I, I mention it was cold? Did I mention it was so cold that the things were frozen harder than Chinese arithmetic? Did you ever see the Christmas movie with the little kid and the, and the Red Rider BB gun? And his friend says, I double dog dare you to stick your tongue to that flagpole? Yeah. So there you sit in the dark. And it's super, super cold, and you've got an aluminum flashlight in your mouth. Yeah, your your preaching career, your public speaking career flashes before your eyes. You know how ridiculous a person sounds who talks when they don't have any lips? People find themselves in those positions, and they ask themselves, how did I end up this way? I'm smarter than this. How could this happen to me? I've got a, a, a DVD set. It's, it's by a guy named Alan Belcher. Uh, Alan is a, a professional fighter, mixed martial artist, a former UFC guy. He also teaches uh, the discipline that I study. He teaches some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he's got this DVD set called Submissions from Bad Positions. And, and, and the premise of the, the series is that when you're grappling or you're wrestling or you're sparring, we call it rolling or doing rounds, and, and somebody gets you in a submission hold and, and submission in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is that I put enough pressure on a limb that you have to tap out or I get enough pressure around your neck and your head with an in-arm or, or, or I don't even have to trap an arm, but get enough pressure on your neck that it's going to create a blood choke and so you tap out. Now, nobody usually gets anything actually broken, and nobody really gets put to sleep except maybe in competitions. Occasionally, it happens in practice, but you know, when somebody starts putting that pressure on you, you have a choice to, to tap, to nap, or to snap. Although it doesn't really happen in practice, it does happen in some competitions. Uh, life is about choices. But the premise of this DVD set is when you find yourself in one of these positions and the guy attacking you doesn't have good technique, you can exploit that weakness and, and turn it around on him. You can, you can turn a, a bad position into a submission for yourself. Really, really cool concept. 
it reminded me of a friend of mine, Brandon McGatherin. He's a black belt in 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. And he was telling about in his purple belt days that he was getting caught in knee bars in some of the competitions that he was in. And he called world-renowned Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert Jean-Jacques Machado. Now, Jean-Jacques is the guy that gave Eddie Bravo his black belt. And, and so he called, and, and, and how do you have Jean-Jacques' private phone number and just call him and chat? But he calls Jean-Jacques and he says, hey, I, how do I avoid getting submitted with a knee bar? To which Jean-Jacques replied, don't get in the knee bar in the first place. You begin to think about the bad positions in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and the submission holes and the moves. They got some really cool, exotic names. Now, sometimes they use traditional Japanese names like Ashi Garami, but they have some moves called the, the Dead Orchid. They have a move called the Oprah. Uh, they have a double outside Ashi, the Honey Hole, the 9-11. One of my particular favorites is a move called the Reptilian Shapeshifter. Now, don't you Google reptilian shapeshifter. All you'll come up with is conspiracy theories and pictures of Nancy Pelosi. But I digress. When you think about what is the best way to defend against these positions, you don't get them, you don't get in them in the first place. That's profound. And yet at the same time, it's simple. I was using that as an example of teaching our children at a youth rally in Dexter, Missouri. And I told the story about Brandon and the knee bar. Uh, at the break, this guy comes to me and said, my wife said, if you started showing that martial arts stuff, I should take my son out of the auditorium immediately. And as much as I wanted to make fun of the overprotective lawnmower parent, helicopter parent, bum, bomb bunker mom, who I guess was afraid that little Poindexter was going to go home and become a crippler of small animals, children, and old people. As much as I wanted to make fun of her, her response was pretty right on. If you don't want your kid trying these moves on the neighbors, the babysitter, or the pets, don't let him be exposed to the move in the first place. See, the problem is that, that we let ourselves get exposed. Now, as Christians, we're in the world, not of the world. What that means is we can't live in isolation, but it does mean that we can do some insulation. There are some circumstances where we avoid the very appearance of evil. And when we don't think about it or when we ignore our good senses, you know, how did I end up here in the first place? I know better than that. Well, that, that's true. Gavin DeBecker in his book, The Gift of Fear, says that everybody that he's ever interviewed who was attacked, molested, kidnapped, or stalked, when they started the relationship with the toxic person, something in the back of their mind told them things weren't right. Something in the back of their mind said, this person will not accept no. And it happens early in relationships. It happens early in the exchange when somebody's going to invade your apartment, invade your house, or, or take you prisoner in your own car. That, that first breach of, hey, I told them no, and they walked through that. Well, if we just paid attention to that voice when we said, hey, you know, I know better than that. You know, I, I, I'm not going to do this. Well, okay, I'll do it just this one time. I mean, I know what could happen, but it won't happen to me. And, and that's the whole point. 
when we put ourselves in toxic environments and we expose ourselves to the things that can happen, the things that can happen often do happen. James, it says it works like this. We have a desire. We have a want. And and we're not vulnerable to sin because of what we want. We're vulnerable to sin because we have a capacity to simply want. And when the things inside us, the desire acts like a lure or bait in a trap, then the environment is produced where we can fulfill that desire. And and it may not even be that the desire is bad, but the desire gets corrupted, becomes an evil desire. A desire that becomes an evil desire is what the Bible calls a lust. Lust does not necessarily have to be have a sexual connotation. So when the internal hazard, what I want, has an intersection with the external hazard, the thing in the environment, the fulfilling of the temptation, the end product of that is sin, and the end product of sin is death. If you think about what could happen on a cold morning before you stick a flashlight in your mouth, you won't stick a flashlight in your mouth. If you think about what could happen before you tell that lie, make that post, exchange those messages, have dinner with that person and realize I'm keeping it a secret from my spouse. If we just thought about where this thing could end up, we might really know better and not end up getting ourselves in bad positions from which there is no escape. Upon finding yourself in that bad position, that place where it seems like that there's no escape, that there's no rescue. Whether it's that inner voice telling you, well, you've done it this time and there's no turning around. Whether it's the voice of, of evil saying, well, you know, nobody in your position has ever been redeemed. A grace applies to everybody but you. It's realizing then that's the time that you let go and let God. I know that's that's cliche, that's that's trite, but truly, sometimes the only escape from a bad position is submission. There are 32 miles of cave passages in Cumberland Cavern. 333 feet underground is the Volcano Room. The Volcano Room is the site for the Youth Rally known as Erupt. It's an underground youth rally. It's an annual event. takes place in October. The next Erupt is scheduled for October of 2021. Erupt is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. If you'd like more information, you may contact them at eruptyouthrally at gmail.com. That's eruptyouthrally at gmail.com. Or check out their website for more information. Three W's and a dot. Eruptyouthrally.com. www.eruptyouthrally.com.